The podcast you're about to listen to is part of the Professional Casual Network. To find more podcasts like this, please check out professionalcasual.com. The Professional Casual Network has gear. Check out teespring.com slash store slash professional casual for fresh new swag. A huge shout out to our sponsor, beardeddragongames.online. Pick up all your local game store goodness from Magic the Gathering, Dungeons & Dragons, Pathfinder, or Wafurp 4th Edition, as well as Terrain, Paints, board games, comics, and more. Make sure to use code ProfessionalCasual at checkout for free domestic shipping or PCME10 for 10% off your total order at beardeddragongames.online. Also, a special thanks to Built Bar for sponsoring the show. To get 10% off your order and to help support the show, use code ProfessionalCasual at checkout or use the link in the show notes. Old World fans, the Professional Casual Network is starting a slow grow campaign in February 2024. The best part is, you can participate no matter where you are in the world. All you have to do is join our Discord and track your army's progress in the slow grow channels. We're starting February at 500 points and adding 250 points every month until we reach 2,000 points in August. Started late? Not a problem. Come join us in Discord to track your progress, get hobby tips, and help keep us all accountable throughout this campaign. Come grow with us in the old world. Hey, my Elector Casuals, and welcome to another episode of Beards, Ears, and Skulls, the best old world podcast on the internet. I'm Taylor, your personal grudge bearer, and we have a very special episode today, as I am joined not only by my friend Tim, but also by Mr. Duncan Rhodes himself from Two Thin Coats. Welcome in, Duncan. Hello. I like Elector Casuals. That's very that's very <laughs> chill. That's, that's a nice summary of the kind of show we got rocking here. Hey, exactly. Hello, everybody. <laughs> So a huge shout out to uh, uh, Ben, who is quasi-friend, quasi-part of the network, who actually came up with that name. Uh, I I wish I could claim it, right? Yeah. It's a great name. Uh, So today on on Best, we're going to be talking about our love for the old world with another vet who's been playing and collecting Warhammer since like forever. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> yeah, yeah, yeah. I was um, uh, introduced into it when I got into retail, because up to that point, I was a 40k player. Um, but then I quickly found that fantasy was the game I liked more and the world I liked more, you know, and uh, I became a big fan. So, yeah, I'm sure we've got lots to talk about when it comes to it. Yeah, rank and files where it's at, for sure. <laughs> that's right. That's right. Maneuver, positioning, forming a battle line, all that sort of stuff. No, like, mobs of dudes running around in all directions. No, 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 no. We have to consider maneuver and wheeling like gentlemen. Right? There's so many different like intricate uh, pieces. This is actually Tim's first rank and file game. So I'm so glad oh, we've really? got another experienced vet on here. Yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah, it's, it's it's like an extra layer of things. I find with fantasy more so than other games I've played. Um, well, in fact, any rank and file game more so than other games I've played is that you there's an extra layer and the strategy of your maneuver. And if you're really good at that, you can still do very well, even if your troops are not as good as your opponent and even if you're outnumbered. You can. Um, a friend of mine, he was really good at tying you in knots. So you just couldn't yeah. do what you wanted to do. And so you had to think far ahead and stuff. So I think that's just a really cool element of the game. 
it is a huge benefit too. like coming from mm. 40k where i'm like oh i just put a bunch of biovores out there and shoot you from 800 yards away and now <laughs> yeah. i actually like have to think about like how things are facing i'm like exactly all right there's a bunch of other layers here and i'm yeah. super into it <laughs> right, right, i need to get my troops in a certain position by a certain time so i can try and draw my enemy to do this and that and you know try and set up where i'm going to be actually attacking and then yeah it's it's more chess-like i think i find it yeah really I, I, yeah. That, I think that's a great way to put it yeah, for real. I, so I, I kind of come from both ends of the spectrum because I, I play dwarves and I also play ogres, mm-hmm. which is like, you know, <laughs> I don't move at all. And then, oh, my gosh, how would you get over here so quick? Right? <laughs> <laughs> it's just this crazy, like weird dance in my brain of, nope, I only move three inches now. <laughs> yeah, that's quite uh, that's quite a contrast there. That's quite a difference, man. It must be very weird for you to be playing with one of the armies for a while and then switch to the other one and suddenly like have a load of your options taken away. But then remember, so, you got a whole new set. Well, the, the the fun thing about it is I play dwarves very strangely because I don't do any shooting. So it's like just very angry short ogres. <laughs> <laughs> yes. You know? <laughs> Anyone else who's out there that plays dwarves is like, you just compared us to ogres? How dare you? You know? <laughs> Oh, but man. Uh, before we get uh, dive right and in straight into it, I want to just do a quick shout out to our patrons over at patreon.com slash professional casual who help us do everything that we do every day. Keep the lights on and keep Tim from eating his hats. They're <laughs> so good, though. They, they're pretty good. I mean, look at that one. It's got like a big red symbol on it. It's nice. Yep. Uh, so huge shout out to our current big subbies of X-Paxis, Rob, Dagnus, Cider Drinker, Tony Hothands, Otis, Leroy, Iron Maze, Wizard Skills, Bicon, Briar Mage, Tau, Cliff Jumper, and James. And cider drinker. Um, and cider drinker. And cider drinker. So thanks, likes everybody. Cider. For, <laughs> likes a cider. Exactly. Yeah. Uh, and if you love Old World Duncan, you're going to love this. Uh, we actually have an Elector Casuals tier on Patreon. So mm. patreon.com slash professional casual. Mm-hmm. But uh, yeah, thanks, everybody, for your support. But let's jump into it. Let's get to the fun stuff. I want to do fun stuff. Not that our patrons are fun. Anyways, I'm eating my own feet <laughs> here. Oh, the patrons are everything. You right, heroes. Exactly. You heroes <laughs> allowing. Uh, shows like this to exist what a world we live in where it's incredible yeah isn't it isn't it amazing that like now because of things like patreon and all these these things that um you can essentially cater content specifically to what you like you're no longer fixed to what's on tv you can pursue all sorts of things and um, you can totally hone yourself into the things that really drive you and things you're passionate about i think it's great i think um the fact that people are willing to support and subscribe is um it's it's immense so thanks to all you lovely Patreon people for supporting this show. Very well said. I mean, they're all angel investors at this point. You know, it's just incredible. <laughs> 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 thank you, everybody. But Duncan, thank you for being here. It's a massive pleasure. I, I've been a massive fan of yours for a very long time. Uh, thank you for oh, teaching yeah. me how to paint. Like, <laughs> You're very welcome. <laughs> you know, I'm sure you never get that from anyone. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> oh, now and then. Right. Um I've been such a huge fan that uh, my partner, who's never painted a mini in her life, always reminds the kids in the spring to put on two thin coats because it's oh, chilly. Very like good. She knows, she knows the joke. I, the uh, So the first time I actually met Duncan was at this latest uh, Las Vegas Open, right? Yeah. This year. Mm. And uh, I got M&Ms that say two thin coats on them. We yes. haven't eaten them yet. I don't know what I'm going to do with them, but... <laughs> They're so incredible, but no, thank you for being here. It's it's such a pleasure. But uh, let's let's jump right into it. Uh, give give me your give me your two thin coats story. What what's your elongated elevator pitch? I'd love to hear all of it. Oh wow, it's quite a story. Um, very <laughs> strange story. I think is a, a long sequence of events of me being in the right place at the right time. Um, 
I uh, I used to work in Games Workshop retail. Um, I was going to go to university uh, to study archaeology, but at the last minute, I dropped out to go and work at Games Workshop instead um, because I got a summer job there, and I was working with Chris Peach. That's where I first met him. And um, he moved up to be the manager of the store we were in, and so a full-timer position came up. So I took that instead of going to university. And I know at the time, um, my dad wasn't too happy about that choice, but um, this was like the first step on... I, th- I think most people in life don't really have a plan of what they want to mm. do, right? And you just roll the punches, and that's basically what happened. Um, I was in there for four years working in retail in the Derby store in the UK, which is about half an hour drive away from Nottingham uh, for reference for people who don't know and um <laughs> had, a, had a great time there made great friends people are still friends with me today and um i left to go and get a real job when i was working in a place selling like gas controllers and central heating systems stuff weirdly one of them is in in the design studio and what well, i don't know what the, the warhammer world always all the departments move around right but in right. the um well, at the time what was um the sculpting studio there was on the wall was one of the central heating controllers that i probably sent to that place it's oh that's cool weird. yeah <laughs> probably dispatched it um but uh i didn't really enjoy it. you know i had no passion for it it was just a job that paid and um then peachy had moved on into the studio and he got in touch one day and told me that was a job he thought that i could do quite well and it was working in what they called the hobby team at the time um i applied for the job and i got it and my role there was making content for white dwarf and filling out the back ranks of stuff in um uh, in photographs. So my first job there was to paint loads of high elves for 8th edition Warhammer Fantasy. Um, and after that, I had to do some Beastmen and there's all kinds of armies there. Tomb Kings, all this sort of stuff. This um, is uh, So our, our other co-host, mm. Dan, is a high elf and a Beastman player. And, mm. <laughs> and mm. he unfortunately couldn't make it today. Uh, he's <laughs> He's got a real job as a teacher. He's cool. Yeah. Because, you know. Oh, <laughs> real. Like, really actually doing something that's helping the world. <laughs> right. <laughs> he <did> stuff. <laughs> Not like me. (laughs) I I feel you. No, he's he's, he's raising the next generation of players. That's right, a proper hero. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, I'm sorry uh, to interrupt. Go ahead. That's all right. It's all right. Now, when uh, throughout my career up to that point, what I enjoyed the most was um, doing like painting lessons of teaching kids, you know, to help build the confidence, get into it, and unlock the you know, the tricks of how to do it. And in the studio, I really enjoyed doing the painting guides that would appear in White Dwarf. So, like four photographs explaining how to do stuff. Um, now, the paint range got redesigned, and as part of that, they wanted to make a book going along with it. And then that's when the TV studio was made in Games Workshop. And so this is where I met Roger Yates uh, because he was the first guy working in the TV department. And um, this DVD was like it ended up having my hands showing how to paint stuff because I had a freer schedule than everyone else at the time. Right place, right time, right? Uh, I also didn't <laughs> chew my fingernails, so my hands looked prettier than everyone else's, <laughs> so I was told. So um, I was the hands on that, and I hit it off with Roger, and he then pushed f- with his boss f- more for using the budding YouTube channel for showing how to do painting tutorials. And because we both had the same idea of we could use this to help people build their confidence and work out what to do, um, I became a bit of a guinea pig for him to lay out the foundations of what it would look like. Um, and the boss really liked it. So the job went up and I applied for it and I got it. And I ended up in the TV studio ever since. And it just snowballed from there. Um, we've always stuck to our principles of um, the miniature is the star of the show. And the whole video is all about explaining how to do that. So um, there's no um, 
fancy like I, there's no cheating off camera or anything like that it's always about trying to be as pure and honest as possible about getting the result and this was a bit of a revolution at the time because because no one was really paying attention to us we were able to go through the phase where the model looks like a mess halfway through and mm. so i think suddenly loads of people went oh it is supposed to look like that and then would follow you know and get the result and um it just took off. So um, Warhammer Community then absorbed the TV studio and it just grew and grew and grew. And mm-hmm. um, eventually Roger and I decided to go and do our own thing because Roger's always dreamed of having his own business. We realized that we had the um, uh, we had the capital at the time to do it. Um, we had the reach and we had the skills. So we thought, you know, now and ever, if we don't do it, then we might always regret it. And so we went for it. And so we're still working together today. So this is something I've tried to explain to people before, but your miniature halfway through, just like you said, is in its adolescence stage. It doesn't Mm -hmm. look great, but just give it a few and it'll look fantastic. (laughs) Just Mm -hmm. keep going. You just (laughs) got to keep keep on doing it. It's the same for all of us. Same for mine. I had, um, uh, I'm sure we'll talk about it later. I had a a, uh, Bretonian model that had been like half finished for quite a long time. And I I recently dug it out, cleaned it off, carried on and now it's like, but now it's my general. So, you know, and at the time when, I, when it's been left and gathered dust, it just looked like a mess. And so yeah. these sorts of things can knock your confidence and you end up just not getting it done, right? But um, it happens for everybody. It's true. Yeah, I got about 12 dwarves right now, dwarf warriors that are feeling that. They're staring at me halfway oh, done, like, please. Watching it. Don't <laughs> please. get your name in that book. Right. <laughs> no my own book. book. Other than they come along and chop you with an axe. Um, that's Well, that's a a beautiful story of like you said right place at the right time uh by the way peachy if you're listening hi huge hi fan. peach uh, <laughs> hello <laughs> I, i've been i've been very lucky meeting all the people i have along the way um they've all taught me things and you know um i i never want to lose grounding on that i learn a lot from chris peach he's um a really decent genuine guy um so yeah and that's one of the things that I just let me just, you know, shout out you and, and Peachy. Like, that's something that I personally took from every single one of these the videos that I watched was like, these two just seem like chill people. Yeah, that would just sit around and, and paint, you know, yeah. <laughs> just hang we, out. We because we were um, for me being right there at the start, of the TV studio, um, Roger, very much was about making sure that it was authentic what was coming across on camera mm. and it's one of the reasons he wanted me to do it is because he thought my my personality would be friendly and approachable to give people the confidence you know like basically someone sat with you you know he wanted to make it look like it's like your older brother kind of thing is that was the sort of attitude he went for and peach has very much the same ideals so mm-hmm. when he joined the team he was also able to be free about that so um yeah, what you see on camera is very much what we are, and we try and be honest about that. And I think that then eases into the teaching very well because it it builds confidence and trust, right? So, yeah, well, that's, absolutely. that's one of the big walls, right? Too, like when mm. people like so, I'm brand new to hobbying, um, and it's super intimidating. I can assemble mm. some models, great, right? But like, I'm like, I see the the other stuff out there as far as what people are painting. I'm like, I have I have mm. no idea, no mm. idea even how to start. And and your series actually very specifically is kind of monumental and like like you said building that confidence to be like whoa oh, whoa okay yeah, okay you can do this you can yeah. everyone start somewhere yeah yeah the the way that you just lay out each individual step was something that like when i was learning and i'm sure as as tim is learning as well it's it's just a you know you just start with one thing and then go to the next thing and then you know and, and you broke it up perfectly it was real nice yeah real nice Roger uh, would always talk about it as in breaking down barriers because um, I have a theory yeah. and I, I wonder if you chaps think about this, right? So I think one of the biggest hurdles for people really getting into the hobby and enjoying it is feeling embarrassment for getting their early models out on the table 
against people who have got like these beautifully painted armies, right? Yep. And the fear of people laughing at you for it. I think there's a similar thing when it comes to gaming, right? And I think that's where you get this um, odd interaction between the competitive versus the casual world. Um, I think a lot of people talk about making uh, selecting the best units for their army because they just don't want to get thrashed when they put them on the table. Yeah. Or they don't want to murder the opponent in a way. You know, they don't want to be the top tier or anything like that. They just don't want to be, what's the phrase, uh, feel humiliated, you know, if their army yeah, just gets fair. wiped to the table immediately, right? And I think that's yep. same for the painting. Um, I find it really, uh, really upsetting the idea that someone gets put off the hobby because of an experience like that. And I, I really want to combat that, you know. Anyone can do this if they want to do it. I want to help them do it. So specifically, that was the boat that I was in when I first started because our, our other co-host, Dan, and his brother, Tim, not this Tim, a different Tim, um, <clears throat> they they had both been Lots playing for... Uh, so too many Tims. Yeah. Uh, Tim too. <laughs> Tim too. <laughs> um, so uh, they had both been playing for a while and both had beautifully painted armies. And then I started up and I was like, I, I got nothing. Like I got mm. black primed armies and, and that's it. And I have no idea what I'm doing for painting and all that sort of stuff. So I was absolutely at a point where I was like, I'm just not going to paint because mm. there's no point in doing it because I'm never, you know, it's going to take me two years to get to this. Mm. And then you know, your video started coming out and I was like, oh, I can just incrementally do this. And here's all the steps. This is fantastic. Right. Mm -hmm. But that thing in the back of my mind of I don't want to be embarrassed asking for help <laughs> because mm. I've had these for a year and have done nothing. Mm. Right. Yeah. <laughs> so, no. yeah, yeah. There's like a comfort there. Right. Like when you show up yeah. with just primed or gray models, you're like, listen, listen, I know they're not painted, but they could be at some point. <laughs> yes. The work in progress. <laughs> yeah. Like I haven't like failed here, but. <laughs> it could be anything eventually yeah it could even yeah. be a boat it could even it could, be a boat. it could be it could be anything <laughs> i wouldn't want someone to feel like they couldn't take part because they don't want to paint their models mm. um, it's, it's a it's a big hobby and there's room for everybody in yeah. all these different things that appeal to them so yeah yeah i, I mean I, I just want people to enjoy this stuff more i just want to help do that and that's uh so that was uh, sorry i just keep branching off from notes here and just the things that you say, bring <laughs> up right. like other thoughts. No, I love this. This is perfect. Um, nice casual conversation here, right? Yeah. Um, yeah. One of the greatest things. So I tried to motivate myself by the game store that we, that we normally went to. I was like, why don't we have like incentives for people who have painted armies, right? When you play. And I was like, you know, you can, you know, Reroll a hit against a non-painted unit, et cetera, et cetera. Mm. And it turned into we're now punishing people who don't paint. And that's mm, not gotta cool. Gotta be careful. Yeah, right? gotta be careful. So it was it's it's a fine it's a very fine line. You know? It is. It is, yeah. Yeah. It's you like have two to be thin lines almost. Two it's thin two thin lines. lines. That's exactly. right. That's right. <laughs> um, a really good thing that um so when I was in retail, um there were numerous um they called them like uh, Ten Commandments and stuff like that. And there were various parts of these that were they had some bits and stuff like that. But one thing that always stuck to me is that it's it's their hobby, not the hobby, uh, not your hobby, you know. Oh, it's, okay. Um, when you're dealing with a customer. And um, this is something I think is always worth remembering that everyone has different things that appeal to them and you should um, embrace that, you know, encourage that. So mm. um, for me, when it comes to doing a painting video, that's in terms of there might be an army or a miniature or something that I don't like, but it doesn't matter because my opinion on the thing is irrelevant for this. It's someone else is going to love it. And so I've got to help out with that. Um, same when you're having a game with somebody, you know, they might be after a different sort of game than you. And it doesn't mean they're wrong. It yeah. just means that it's like, it's, it's like talking past each other in a way. And I think the best games are when people are on the same level with that sort of thing. Um, right. Always something, always something to remember. 
Yeah, I'm I'm one of those casual people who's just like, I don't know what happens. Let's just, you know, have some fun and throw some dice. Yeah. And you go you go up against that person who's like, I'm training for a tournament right now. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Don't have that game, you know? Mm-hmm. Yes. <laughs> or communicate yeah. before. It doesn't go right? well because neither side is wrong and neither side is necessarily Correct. right. It's just their own at yeah, their own attitude, their own personal, you know, what appeals to them. Um, yep. and I'm like you I think we'd we'd have a cracking game um, but when I'm in a tournament situation I know that someone who's um, a very good player might want me to test their skills and I right. don't really think I can do that I think I could put up a bit of a fight but they're going to win and they know they're going to win <laughs> you know <laughs> yeah my, uh, my, uh, my my normal line is I don't know let's see what happens you know like <laughs> that's right that's right. right yeah if in doubt charge it and hope for the best yeah it'll be fun either way it's going to be a great story yeah. um and I do want to say, folks out there who who aren't aware, there is a Kickstarter going on right now for mm. Two Thin Coats Wave Three, and uh, seven times currently the amount that you have uh, that you have a, as a goal. That's incredible. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Like, man, what a strange world I inhabit these days. Yeah, the, the paints were not something I really intended to ever do. You know, um, okay. I didn't. I, when we left Games Workshop, it wasn't like right. We're going to make a paint range. It's going to have 180 colors in it. That, that never happened. We just got approached one day by this chap called Bob, who was heading up company Transatlantis Games, and it was his new venture. And Bob's been in the industry for forever and ever. Um, like he ran Games Workshop North America for a while, you know. Oh, wow. Um, yeah, there was a part, I believe, um, the current CEO of Games Workshop, Kevin Roundtree. I think he was his accountant at one point. So he's like, he's he's been in lots of companies and done lots of things. He's one of those guys that always seems to be like a, a boss, you know. And, gotcha. Um, yeah, he wants to uh, license our brand to make a paint range. And asked to, you know, here's my proposition. And we were like, that's great. But we want to be really involved in the whole process of it. And so we got really into it. And um, Bob and the team at Tag were fantastic because they essentially allowed us to do what we wanted <laughs> to an extent. Heck yeah. um, <laughs> and the result of it was we came out with really good paints. And then it just took off. Um, again, in a totally unexpected um way uh unexpected right. degree but um but yeah here it is here it is a third kickstarter going it's been funded um it's if anyone's interested it's a great way to get a hold of all the paints cheaper uh than you would buy in normal shops um yeah i i'm i'm always flabbergasted by the whole thing working but i'm so happy that people like them and are enjoying them and yeah that it's successful well, I have to say too, in Wave Three, some of the names of the colors, like there's like in in the uh, in the promotional <laughs> picture, right? Yeah. There's there's six new yellows, like yes. in the very forefront, and I'm a mm. huge fan of yellow. Mm. But, uh, Serpent Eye Yellow, Flag Gun Yellow, and Ambush and Panzer, like mm-hmm. your names are so spot spot on. Apocalypse <laughs> Sky alone Apocalypse is Sky. like you look at that and you're like, yeah, okay. I know, you know exactly what that, what that color is. Yeah. The naming is surprisingly difficult. You know, uh, it's, it's bet, very easy sure. at first. Yeah. But after a while, you start to um, step on your own toes of, you know, think names you've used before and you've got to make them all distinct enough. Um, so yeah, it's quite, it's quite a challenge. <laughs> and Normally, you don't want to um, step on like other people's toes as well. It's got to be so difficult, you know? Mm, <clears throat> well, exactly. to thread the line in between, like making sure that it gets GW like inspired, but obviously not like on the nose. <laughs> Like it's it's kind of a hard line to run. Well, yeah, you, you don't want to infringe on copyright, so you yeah, know, you can't absolutely directly use games which pipey names and things like that. So yeah, yo, this emperor's <laughs> purple metallic is dope, and I need it. <laughs> yes, metallic colors. Yeah, that oh. was something that we were really keen to push on for this one. Scarab red, Tim, you need some of these for your tomb kings. Yeah, I need a lot of things. <laughs> <laughs> Should check out the metallic turquoise for the Tomb Kings. I think that would work very nicely. Ooh, Ooh that Omega Blue. Yeah, that's mm, gorgeous. That's the one. 
That's the one. That's gorgeous. Yeah. Oh my gosh. All right. I could look at this uh, Kickstarter all day and just dream, but um, <laughs> <laughs> absolutely beautiful. Well, again, just lining up the uh, the best place at the best time. Um, and what a name for the paint line. Come on. How do you not, you know? <laughs> well, yeah, we we were wondering, like, is that name too long? But the thing is, everyone was like, yeah, you should call it Two Thin Coats. So it's perfect. Well, <laughs> I suppose we, we sort of have to, you know, if we didn't, yeah. people would be like, why didn't you call it that? And we'd just be having that conversation <laughs> forever. <laughs> well, that's the thing. I think the first time that I saw the Two Thin Coats paint line, I'm like, that's the most genius thing I've ever seen in my life. <laughs> mm. <laughs> Duncan with a big smile, two thumbs up, and just two yeah. thin codes. I'm like, this, Here we is, go. this is great. Here we go. I need all of these. It was a lot of, um, it was scary though, because, um, I mean, my name's literally on the bottles, right? So if they turned out to be yeah. rubbish, it would be on us, and especially me. And, you know, it, that would go totally against all the ethos of all the things we've had. Like, remember, I was saying that we want the videos to be honest, and we want the, these paints yeah. to be honest too. So, when they were being developed, I was just being presented with various options and things, and then I'd, I'd try stuff and give feedback, and then they'd hone what we had based on that feedback. It turns out I picked all really expensive ingredients, and I didn't know this, but uh, you know, that was, all the information was kept away from me, and we didn't realize until right at the very end just what had gone into making these. But I think it shows when people use them. Um, there's there's a certain there's like a lot of a lot more leveling agent in than normal. Um, very high pigment concentrations in them. Um, and it, it really it feels very good when you're using them. And that's quite an odd thing to describe until, like, if anyone out there has only ever used one brand of paint, I recommend trying just a few. And you'll see that they all have different feels about them. And we are very keen to try and make ours as silky smooth as possible, is the best way to describe it. So, yeah. And that's the thing, like like you said, I've I've, I've dabbled in, in various different types of, of paint companies, but you can tell. You can tell you put it on a brush and you do one stroke in a mini mm. and you're like wow this is a good yellow yes. you know <laughs> yeah yeah i yeah. don't need 17 layers this is great <laughs> exactly yeah yeah it all comes down to what goes into them you know and like i say we, i just ended up picking all these high quality ingredients and then they honed them for the specific pigments that we were using and the sort of chemical formula I'll tell you what the actual chemical formula of paints is way more complicated than i thought because there's all various properties that you need so an ingredient goes into it to achieve that but there's always a side effect and so then you have to have another ingredient mm. to mitigate that side effect mm -hmm. and then there's a side effect of that and so you end up with a whole host of things and so the actual formulation is immensely complicated and the chemist just like he explained it to me one day and i'm like right i understand those words but not in that order you know what i mean like <laughs> yeah. dropped out my brain it's like uh, okay you do what you need to do <laughs> like but can you make it cover a little bit better please yeah it's like <laughs> <sorts of> conversations <laughs> and he's like yeah i'll add like 16 of these different things and you're like great yeah you're don't yeah cool hits. you do that uh i'll sit here and eat a biscuit you know <laughs> and then they'd come back and we'd fine tune it a little bit we spent like days out the factory with them doing this process we spent the whole day with just going through rounds and rounds and rounds of picking a particular color and honing it to the point where we were good with it and only then would we give the green light on it and then it would pass through i'm gonna be honest that sounds like a lot of fun <laughs> just playing was, with chemistry yeah. that's all day it know? was <laughs> it was really cool yeah just having like odds and ends of miniatures and testing them and then you know and i was always keen to try and get people to give feedback to what they thought about the paints too um, and again tag i've got some guys there who are brilliant for that um so um i think the result speaks for itself for sure absolutely and obviously the community adores it mm. for sure um so <laughs> <laughs> can you take us on the journey that was your the start of your wargaming career what what drew you to little plastic army men oh well at the time i was really into um star wars so yeah. um i just been introduced to sci-fi and uh, i was loving star wars and one day i was out with my family and my dad and i would traditionally go and look in model shops um 
if there was one around. And we were in this town called Ashby de la Zouche in Derbyshire. And they had a model shop. And as we were looking around at all the kits and trains and stuff like that, they had a little games workshop stand. And on it were these little free leaflets you could take. And in it, it had the, you know, in the older starter box games, you have a little leaflet that explains how to play, like really briefly. Yeah. And in yeah. that, it had the High Elves versus the Goblins and the Space Marines versus the Orcs. And so the Fantasy one was 5th edition and the 40k was 2nd edition. And I thought Space Marines were the coolest thing I'd ever seen in my life because they looked like someone had taken Darth Vader and a Stormtrooper, put them together, and given them a machine gun. <laughs> that's amazing. Actually, yeah, that's so, a great way to put it, actually. Yeah, that's really, yeah. I thought they were so cool. And so I carried this leaflet around with me for the whole week. And, you know, I didn't leave it anywhere. I was always reading it and trying to work out what on earth it was talking about, about the game. Right? But I loved <laughs> what it was showing me. And my dad knew that there was a games workshop in Derby, which is where I grew up. And so the next Saturday, he took me to that games workshop. And um, I was served on the till by the guy who would then employ me for my retail job. Oh, that's cool. Later. Strange, huh? He's still there. He's every now and then talk to him. Um, but um, yeah, I, with my pocket money, I was able to get a box of six Space Marines and a set called Warriors of the Imperium. And I got to, my dad bought me a white, a black paint and a fine detail brush. And off I went. And... Um, yeah, I was into it to some extent or another ever since that point. Um, when I was going through university doing like my higher exams and stuff, I kind of dropped out a bit, but then I came back into it. Um, but really, I was all about 40k. I did pick up some brief fantasy stuff along the way. I remember when the the Chaos Warriors came out, the multi-part mm -hmm. Chaos Warrior Regiment. Um, mm -hmm. I did small Chaos Warrior Army based on those. And for my birthday, I did buy um, the 6th edition, no, 5th edition fantasy box set i said fifth earlier with the elves and the goblins that's fourth i bought the fifth edition box the bretonians and the lizardmen and i love oh, the bretonians yeah. yeah that was the first time i painted the entire set and you know i i loved my i did all my knights differently and i painted the peasant units matching the champions of my knights units um, heck yeah and uh i got the the dragon from the bits box the um the dogs of war dragon the plastic dragon mm -hmm. put mm -hmm. a knight on the back that was my general um Good times. That's Good awesome. Times. Yeah. <laughs> That's so awesome. Yeah. And then, you know, I discovered historical wargaming, got into that as well. Um, mm. Yeah. And these days it dominates my life. <laughs> for better or worse. No, okay. For better uh, or worse. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Like I say, my dad was a bit um, miffed when I ended up st sticking with retail. But the first time he saw my stuff in um, White Dwarf, then he realized I'd, I got a proper job going at that point. <laughs> oh, and, fair uh, enough. Yeah. Yeah. So, fair enough. So, well this is. Well. This is kind of one of those out there questions, uh, and and you know, feel free to uh, uh, plead the fifth, as we say here in the states. Um, how how, do, how did the folks take it? Like how how did that whole how did that oh. all go? That you're like I I paint minis for a living. Oh well. I mean, when I was a kid, I know my mum didn't appreciate it. She used to call it little men, and she'd get cross them being on like my, like my drawers and stuff in my bedroom, <laughs> yeah, getting fair. dusty. You know, she didn't like it. Um, and they thought it was a bit weird when I started doing it for a job. And my dad always viewed it as being like a temporary thing, and then I'd go to university and carry on from there. Um, but yeah, they, the, the thing is, I think a lot of people don't, like, I think I said earlier, they just don't know what they want to do in life. I think that's totally right. normal. And I didn't know what yeah. I wanted to do in life. You know, I thought I'd I still in an office or something. Well, yeah, I don't really think anyone does. <laughs> really, I think you just take the opportunities that come along and do your best. Um, yeah, I think you're one of the lucky few if you know what you want to do and pursue that all your life. But um, yeah, it just, it things just kept on growing. And I think, um, I don't know, I, I, I hope that, the reason why I was able to keep on building on what I'd done before was because I was being earnest about it and I hope people realized it you know like I really did want to try and make the hobby better for people and it's quite a wishy-washy thing to say you know when you're like 
it, it's not about um, we're trying to make X more money or anything like that. We're just like, well, I want that person to feel like they can buy that Imperial Knight and do it. Um, so I think I was lucky in being able to latch onto that and carry it on. And like I say, I think my dad only really took it seriously when he saw me in White Dwarf magazine, because he worked on the railway, you see. And in railway stations in the UK, you usually have a shop called WH Smiths, which sells like magazines, sweets and stuff. Then he went in there with a colleague and he picked off White Dwarf from the shelf and showed, because I told him I was in that issue. And I mean, it must have been the one with my Bretonian army and I'm not sure, but he, he showed his colleague and he was like, oh, that's my son in there. And when the TV thing started happening and... Um, Oh, yeah, I remember. So um, after my dad retired, so when I was really little, um, I briefly lived in Australia for about four years. And, That's awesome. Um, we all, yeah, yeah, I didn't think much of it at the time, but how lucky was that, right? And um, <laughs> we, we all went, when he retired, we all went for a, a holiday together in Australia. So my parents were there for like a month. I met up with them for two weeks. This would have been about 2017, I think. And um, when I got there, um, I was jet lagged, and the first day we were wandering around Sydney, and they were just like, "Oh, look at that! It's a Games Workshop, Duncan," and pushed me into it. And I just walked <laughs> in, you know. The staff had no idea I'd be there. Like, you know, why? Like, why would I think to tell anybody I was there? Right? I just wandered in. I was like, "Hello," and he was like, "Hello." It's like, you know, iron me up and stuff. And then eventually, he goes, "Are you Duncan Rhodes?" And I'm like, "Yeah, I'm jet lagged. Who are you?" <laughs> we had a chat, and. Um, then the word went round. I was in Sydney, and suddenly all the stores were asking me to turn up, and that was very strange. But, um, but anyway, when I got back out, we went for some lunch. My parents thought it was funny because they'd been in Brisbane um, a week or two before, and across the street from their hotel was the Games Workshop store, and they went in, and the staff member was trying to get them to do an intro game, you know, as as they do, and um, they were like, "Oh no, our son works for for the company," and they told them who they were, <laughs> and the reaction. They didn't expect it at all of this guy going, you know, Duncan, and all this stuff. And so they were like, right, when he turns up, we're going to mess around with him. We'll start pushing him to see what happens. So when I was in the store, they were in the door, like watching, see what would happen. You know? And um, I think at that point, they realized that um, uh, I'd, you know, I'd made an impact or so. And from that point on, they took it seriously. And so when mm. I told them that, Roger and I were thinking of leaving to do our own thing. They were nothing but supportive and really encouraging for it. And yeah, dad always loved asking, you know, so how are things going? How are the paints going? So, yeah. <laughs> well, that's that experience just in general, like your dad mm. being able to pick up a magazine that you're featured in, like yeah, that's on the railway. Cool. Like that's, that's gotta be. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Very odd. Very odd. <laughs> if, if my kids ever, and, and at the point, you know, you hit Australia and you're like, Oh, Oh, this is worldwide. Got it. Mm. You know, <laughs> right? mm. like if my kids ever get to that status, I'm going to do the same thing. I'm going to push them in a store and just watch. <laughs> that yeah, goes up. yeah, yeah. I suppose <laughs> as a parent, that's good. It must be loads of fun, right? Right. <laughs> oh my gosh. So for for Warhammer Fantasy, the old world, mm. um, uh, I'm I'm shaking with excitement. Um, who's your favorite faction? Why is it dwarves? Uh, oh. I'm no. <laughs> oh, it's not dwarves. Oh, no, no, no. <laughs> How dare you, sir? No, I'm a loyal servant to the Lady of the Lake and have been for years. <laughs> Britonia has always been one of, in my opinion, the most beautiful looking armies that you can mm -hmm. see on the table. Just mm -hmm. gorgeous. But talk to me what, what drew you towards them. Um, well, I mean, when I, when I first properly learned to play Warhammer, when I was in retail, I basically had to, to pass my probation and I played as Tomb Kings, which at the time was not a good army to learn to play the game with because your magic was totally different. And at 500 points, you would get wrecked by anything. Um, and as the army hit like 3000 points, suddenly you're invincible. So it was a very weird army to try and get my head around things with, <laughs> but then Bretonians got redone and, um, 
there was always like a big when a new army comes out that it would be for the month and it was like a big thing for that army after that passed mm-hmm. i remember just looking at them thinking actually i think they're really cool so um i, uh, I bought the <laughs> the army book not the codex i should say <laughs> i keep always think of them as codexes right but i bought the army book uh, and yeah. i remember at home just being fascinated by the the love and attention for the sixth edition books if anyone's into the old world and doesn't have sixth edition books i highly recommend you just pick them up to read the law uh, because the bretonian one has its law displayed with something that looks like the bayo tapestry and it's just beautiful mm. it's really beautiful it totally drew me in and um i realized that their style of play suits how i like to play which is just go for it you know be dramatic do your best and if it doesn't work out at least you gave it a damn good try you know um so uh yeah i just started painting them and i loved it i loved playing with them i, I had a great time i totally got into their lore everything about their style it just really sings to me like the weird heater shields all over them you know little displays and stuff the hanging chains with little grail relics and stuff like that the um the great helms you know that sort of blank expression with the narrow eye slits it's so cool yeah. the um the the pose you get of like there's a piece of artwork where ex- in sixth edition book it explains how the lance formation works and you can it's a picture of a bunch of knights charging a bunch of orcs i think it's carl kaplinsky who did the artwork it's just the way they look with a lance lowered going full tilt you know like leaning into it and stuff it just it absolutely sings to me and i love it and this then really drove me into learning more and more lore about the old world and it just became the thing i enjoyed the most you know it took over from 40k for me um yeah and i just ended up they became like my core thing i think most people have a favorite army that they always keep coming back to and bretonia was 100 percent that for me so I've, I've painted numerous bretonian armies over time and just got uh, 1250 points just this morning finished of the uh of bretonia's nice. the old world yeah yeah <laughs> Very nice. Yeah, we're we're doing a a slow grow league at the moment uh, in Ooh. our community. Uh, so 500 points ends today, and I'm not done. Mm. So I'm going to tag on the rest of them into next month, and uh, adding <laughs> 250 points up until August till we hit 2,000. Um, <clears throat> and it, it's it's just it's it's such a wonderful feeling. Yeah, we've been playing a lot of like atomic mass games, a lot of skirmish, mm. uh, MCP, etc. And you know, you get one mini done and you're like, I feel great. I got one mini, but you put 2000 points of minis on the table that you painted yourself. And you're like, mm. I feel invincible at this point. I, yeah, you know, this like is this is incredible. Army. You know, this is an like, expression of me. And, I have know, a whole six of, foot. Yeah. It's part of your soul goes into painting these things, right? Because it's not just, um, it's not a mechanical process. Like you, you end up thinking about the lore and things of your armies you're doing, well, at least I do. So, you know, there's a yeah. real emotional attachment to it. I think that's why people stick with war games for so long, as opposed to like a video game where it's just like, you know, it's just a digital image, right? But once you paint the things and you built the things and you've chosen what's in your army and you put it all together, it's, there's something more than, you know, just a game to it, at least for me anyway. Absolutely. Well, yeah, legitimately, like with a video game, you can be done. You can finish it and you're all yeah. set. Yeah. Like yeah, with war gaming, it's, it's really never the case. Like there's always something to improve on, whether it's mm-hmm. gameplay, whether it's painting, whether it's mm-hmm. modeling, whether it's new models to add to the, mm-hmm. the army or the roster. Like it doesn't mm-hmm. end. Yeah. Never goes away. No, 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 no. And it's a strange experience I've had with Warhammer Fantasy um, because, of course, I was working in the design studio when the end times happened. Oh, that's when yeah. I just moved over to TV. So um, when I moved into the TV studio, that's when the barrier suddenly closed as to me knowing what was going on. But uh, reading between the lines, I think there was a lot of chaos happening, trying to work out what Age of Sigma was going to be and how it was going to go. Um, and there were lots of different ideas as to what they were going to do at the time. Um, but 
it was a, an odd experience because I'd been working in the studio with all the fantasy army. So I'd seen lots of things behind the scenes, heard lots of information, stuff like that, saw all kinds of things that weren't released. Um, I suspect that um, they'll release these things in time now. I don't see why they wouldn't. Um, but um, then to suddenly pull the plug on it was quite a difficult thing because, as mm. I mentioned, this is like my favorite game. Um, and then I was on warmer TV, so I couldn't be like, I hate this or anything like that. You know <laughs> what I mean? And I, I understood the reasons why they were doing it, but emotionally, I didn't like it. <laughs> you know what I mean? And I don't mean that I don't like Age of Sigma, right? I get that people like it for the reason they like it, but it was still a sad process. And it's quite odd then to see it come back because there is like a sort of, um, how would you call it? Like a political wind at Games Workshop in the direction the company's going and the things are developing and stuff. And so the, you know, the assumption was you'll be on board with Age of Sigmar because, yeah, fantasy wasn't really that great, really. And I was always like, mm, yeah, but you've been selling this to me for years and years, right? It, it is <laughs> yeah. still, people still really like this. You can't be horrible about it. Anyway, I was then predicting, right, in 10 years, it's going to come back through Forge World. Um, I was wrong. It was like eight years. So <laughs> here we are. And I'll tell you what, I find it so surreal not only seeing Warhammer Fantasy on the Games Watch website and Warhammer community, but Bretonians being front and center. Oh, my God. Oh, they're just medieval knights, Duncan. They're not really Warhammer. Yeah, but they kind of are, aren't they? You know, they're now they're it's on the front crazy. of the Warhammer community. I just, I, I, it blows my mind every time I see it. It really does. But I'm really happy about it because, you know, I feel like fully engaged in it. So yeah, <laughs> so I have the I have the exact same experience. So mm. Warhammer Fantasy was what got me into what got me into wargaming, and mm. I fell in love with the world. I read every single piece of lore that I possibly could. You hit the nail on the head with the sixth edition book. I started with mm. Wood Elves. That book is a piece of art. It's beautiful, isn't it? It's gorgeous. It's just beautiful. It's just like it's just like dripping with lore. You know what I it's mean? It's so beautiful. I mean, atmosphere. It's oh amazing. my gosh. The little side art with the spites on it and everything. Yeah. It's just so gorgeous. But, uh, you know, when, when Age of Sigmar dropped, I had a lot of negative things to say. And because, you know, my, my world was gone, right? My world yeah. was gone, right? Because I made my own lore in that world. I made my own armies in that mm. world. Like I had a group of ogres that were a part of that world. You know, I had a group of, of dwarves and now You're it's emotionally gone. invested in it. Yeah, exactly. Um, <clears throat> But, you know, I tried Sigmar and we we played a bunch in it. I did enjoy a lot of the games that I played, uh, but it wasn't the same thing. So now that it's back, like, I, I'm just, like I said, I'm buzzing, <laughs> shaking, you know? <laughs> it's weird, isn't it? It's hard to believe it. It's very, very oh. strange. And I mean, you could play fantasy, all the, all these, you had all the books and everything like that. But there's something different when the company's mainly supporting it and pushing it and you're seeing it around and stuff. More people play then. Now I'm not just a crazy person ranting about a game that doesn't exist anymore. Yeah, right? That's what the game yeah. <laughs> Exactly. Yeah, yeah. Everyone thought you were crazy, but who's laughing now? Right. <laughs> You're the guy with a dwarf army, and they're not on sale yet. So. <laughs> I got a book, and half of it is Age of Sigmar. No, I'm kidding. Uh <laughs> oh my gosh! But um, I, I'll tell you what was particular. Sorry to interrupt, but like a no, particularly please, please. Um, heartbreaking thing for me at the time when this all started was um, so it was known in the design studio before they split up into the various departments like miniatures publications and stuff it, they knew that i was a bretonian nerd so they started their initial kickoff pitch meeting for what the next bretonian army book was going to be and i was invited to it as the nerd guy of just like how do i feel about it and stuff not that i had any particular like 
great input as to what the models look like or anything like that. But like, so Duncan, you like this army? What's it all about? And I'm like, well, it's all about glorious heroics and you know drama and over the top. And sorry, where are the peasants? Oh, they're all dead. Oh, you know, like that's that's what it, you know. I was there for that mouthpiece basically. And um, so I started seeing all the concept art for what they were going to do. And they started talking about all the new units they were going to make and how they, what direction they were going to take the army in and stuff. And I was like. <gasps> This is all so awesome, and I was so excited because I was like, I can be involved in this thing I love. And um, then the world blew up, and they were going to be the next book. <laughs> I was like, mm, mm. so for years I've been like, oh, I knew what they were going to do. I knew how it was going to be, and it's not going to happen. And interestingly, Forge World is Forge World doing the old world. They've gone a different direction. So. Mm. Oh, okay. Well, yeah, that's yeah. Britannians are going to become much more fantasy. So I'm quite, I'm finding it quite odd. To me, it's like trying to put a square peg in a round hole. Consider looking at some of the things they've made because I'm like footnights. Why have you done footnights? They're, they're not bad models, but it, it's an interesting concept. Yeah, <laughs> like they don't they don't. So to my mind, Britannians are like the cavalry army. Right, that's what they are more than any other army in the game, and I think they were gonna. I think the demographics were originally going to be for Bretonians, but I'm not certain on that, so don't take that as gospel. But um, it was always going to be pushing more and more in the direction of the cavalry, and so it's like, why have you gone for the? Why have you never? Why not knights on hippogriffs? Like, why didn't you do that? Yeah, but they must yep. have a reason for it. Who knows? They might do knights on hippogriff, but. <laughs> Future releases, exactly. yeah, yeah. But, yeah. I've been like, like pondering this out loud in the office for quite a while roger's probably sick of me talking about it he's listening to this podcast <laughs> sorry man but, <laughs> but roger, that one walks, right that's what the peasants do all the other night's going to make fun of you right exactly <laughs> the peasants get there early because they were yeah. so slow they had to leave three weeks early right yeah 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 so yeah like i'm trying to like i say it's trying to put a square peg in a round hole here because to my mind bretonians are not a medieval france medieval uh army they're a fantasy army that had its roots in medieval stuff um and they were going away from that they seem to be leaning back towards it so yeah we'll see what happens i don't know what's going to happen but but uh yeah either way I, new bretonians i'm excited you know yeah yeah absolutely um I, I should say if anyone's interested in seeing um some of the concept things of what were being talked about um there's a guy who was a sculptor and he left workshop and he since set up his own thing making miniatures and he made some Bretonians with that sort of stuff in mind. I mean, they're not actually Bretonians, but um, it's called Citizens of the Old World. Look up the Order of the Flaming Lease. If you look at the alternate builds of helmets with the animal in the helmet, that's some of the stuff that they were thinking about. So, like All right, say, very cool. Like I say, like that's the, in my mind, that's the direction they're going to go, but they've turned around and gone straight into Great Helms. So, yeah. So yeah. kind of as a segue, I guess a little bit like, uh, so old world is like, right, brand new, just, just mm. kind of released. People are really getting into it now. Um, are you at all, um, familiar with the term still mania? Oh yeah. Yeah. I know still mania. Yeah. It's pretty uh, hardcore is still mania. <laughs> so, <laughs> so as, as a very new player to rank and file as a whole, like I'm super into it. Cause I can mm -hmm. like really kind of like dive into the, you know, the individual characters or, or units. Um, if you had like your 2000 point still mania army, whether it's Bretonians or something else, like what would that kind of consist of as a whole? And how do you name? Like, uh, do you, 
oh, categories or do you just is it all like personal yeah <laughs> <laughs> it used to be puns you know all puns i just use french words absolutely and stuff um no, uh, i think yeah, fromage is everyone's last name <laughs> <laughs> um I, I like the stillmania attitude i think it's a little bit extreme in having like the 2000 point armor you never change um yeah that's a bit far to me, but the narrative approach appeals to me. So I have to build an army based upon um, like the army being a uh, presentation of the culture, right? This is a big sticking point for me to get into any sort of game. Um, the the culture that I'm reading about, I have to feel like it's a real life thing that can generate an army. Otherwise, it's just like a board game. You, you see yeah. what I mean? Oh, okay. Um, yeah, and so if I was going to do a, um, like, if I'm going with the Stillmania idea, um, my army has to consist of a core bunch of stuff that a Bretonian army would put in the field because they have it. It's not about the points or anything like that, but they would have the peasants because the local lords got them, so they're going to get on the battlefield. Same with the archers, because there's going to be the levy that they're going to draw up. Um, there are going to be knights of the realm. There are going to be knights errant. So I'd have to take these things as a core thing. There might not be any grail knights. Um, there might be a, my general might just be a regular knight and he maybe has some grail knights who are like his advisors and stuff. Um, but you know, there has to be some sort of coherent thing. And so I wouldn't just take like an army of knights unless thematically I'm doing an errantry war crusade army, in which case, oh yeah, that fits the theme. You know, that's more what the sort of environment I'm playing in. So for me, um, rather than going with the Stillmania rules, what I like to play the game as is a campaign where I have various armies moving around the map with characters who have their own styles and personalities, and then I play the army in that style. And that suddenly like engages me totally in it. Um, I did do... Um, I've run two campaigns, like year-long campaigns, where I made a full 3D map, and we used the old Blood and the Badlands rules for it. And um, this was the utter embodiment of me being able to do this sort of stuff. <laughs> oh, has he got blood in the bad right here? That's the one. That's the one, yeah. Um, yeah, so we had, um, so a bunch of my mates, we all worked in retail together. So Peachy was one of them. And so we had, uh, what was there? There was, so I was lots of Bretonians. And Peachy had um, Vampire Council the first year. The second year, we played as the Empire. Um, we had a guy with ogres. Um, there was a guy with Nurgle Demons. Um, there was Empire in the first year again. There was um, Wood Elves, a player would drop in every now and then with Wood Elves. Uh, is that all of them? I think that was, I think there's one more that I'm missing and I'll feel really bad about it later. But yeah, we all move our armies around the map. We all had narrative stories. I hosted a joust at one point with the old full tilt rules and <laughs> yes, everyone was welcome to bring right. it. So there was like a, um, an ogre, uh, what they called the, the Mournfang Cavalry. <laughs> one yeah, of those yeah, yeah. Against one of my knights and stuff. Like a yeah, potluck with brilliant. lances. Yeah, <laughs> he need a lance. He's got his fist, <laughs> and it was it was brilliant. It was the most fun I've had in any sort of game. Now it's back. I'm trying to like lure them all back in to do this again because I've still got the maps. You know, they're a bit dusty, but I can clean them up and we'll go. It'll be great. So, uh, Tim, the network's going to have to pay for me to go over to England every week to play. <laughs> <laughs> it's so much fun, though, isn't it? And Warhammer's oh got so much of this stuff. Do you know, looking in the old world, a thing that really excites me is the fact that mercenaries are there, and you have to roll to see yes. if the mercenaries are going to be worth the money. Yes, <laughs> it's the best. I'm getting out my dogs of war miniatures. I know they've not got the rules yet, but I'm going to make them up. And so if someone wants to hire the marksman of Maragliano, I'm going to have them there ready. <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh you're so on point with the mercenary rules yeah, too just, yeah they might not I, like you today or they might be drunk <laughs> yeah it's brilliant i love it i absolutely that's the that's the stuff that really appeals to me about warhammer and i think um so i think the narrative thing about that that gets me rather than 40k is that in 40k things are much more black and white in that the imperium will never work like space marines will not 
negotiate with aliens yeah. unless you have a particular chapter. Um, so it puts you in a situation when you're playing a campaign that you're always enemies with various people and then sort of friends with others, you might fight them. With Warhammer, you could ne- potentially negotiate peace with some of the Chaos guys because it, the people in charge of the Chaos Force might just be the like the Norse at the time. And so you can have a bit more of a conversation with them until like the, the Chaos Warriors show up, of course. Um, so I always feel like there's a bit more flexibility for it. And that really... I, I, I teamed up with the Vampires, with Pichu's was Vampires. We went to a Warhammer Doubles tournament, and this was during the, the second year of our campaign. And when all the results of the battles, we then you know recorded for our characters in the campaign. So I teamed up with Pichu's Vampires. And um, you know it was always a case of like, well, yeah, it's a grudging thing. It's not an evil vampire. I don't like him. But uh, <laughs> we can get on for a fight a greater evil narrative thread you see so yeah I, see, my thought was uh and great. then and then the king or the the uh your general found out afterwards peachy's uh, mm. whole army was vampires like oh that's yeah. why you kept raising people like, from the ground <laughs> you know, i simply didn't notice because the knights were all wearing full suits of armor you know yeah, right. so, yeah. and what, what do you think i'd look twice at the peasants yeah, think, right. <laughs> oh, I'm busy eating grapes, you know. <laughs> Being fed grapes by my peasant. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> uh, that's and that's what 100% just drilled it, me into this world is mm. the lore behind this. And we keep bringing things up with Tim. Again, mm. this is brand new to him. And yeah. after every single episode we do, he goes, "Well, I play ogres now, or I play skating now, <laughs> yeah. or you know, because they're just after every episode, it's like, yeah, I gotta add another army to the roster here because <laughs> they seem." dope they're just so Uh, colorful and so much lore it's fantastic yeah yeah. and i think the people the folks working on it now i think they understand that because the um so i think the reason why fantasy got blown up is because eighth edition was taking it down a road where it was making it too difficult to get into it and i think Mm. they've acknowledged this with the old world because it seems to have reeled a lot of that back and it seems to have really dove into the um the, the fun stuff that was rampant in 6th edition. And yeah. the mercenaries are an example of that. And you got the alternate army lists. Like there's uh, In the Tomb King, the Royal Host, having the units with a spearman at the front and archers at the back, you'd never have that sort of thing in older editions. But in this Correct. one, it's just a thing they've done as like a cool add-on. And so you don't know what's around the corner. So I think they're working really hard to bring this love into it. Um, it all seems to be there to me anyway. And uh, I think people are getting that. I'm just seeing people having a great time with it online now. And it's really cool. Oh, for real, yeah. Uh, and so speaking of the mercenaries, right? Like anyone can, you know, shake hands or at least uh, negotiate with a chaos mm-hmm. warrior. Mm-hmm. Is there a particular <laughs> chaos God that you cleave to that you appreciate more than others? Like who's, um, who's your top spot there? I think Zinch. Yes. I think. All right. <laughs> Great answer. Yeah. <laughs> um, so I, uh, so years ago, uh, when the storm of chaos campaign happened, um, there were four of us in the store who all picked a, a God to do a demon legion for. We played a big game where we were all, different legions and i would i pick zinch um so i had all my the old metal horrors that were all like twisting out of each other you know those ones mm-hmm, i had yeah. loads of those and I had to keep a lot of change and all this stuff um so it's always appealed to me because zinch is so weird and so strange when you see the like bizarre looking creatures yeah. it can have and the weird twists in the armor and stuff um so yeah i think that appeals but honestly i'm more of a chaos undivided kind of person you know mm. i like the classic core um core look I think um, so. I have started doing some Chaos Warriors for the old world using the Age of Sigma ones, and I'd like to have units with a mark, but I want the core army to be undivided. I think that, that's the that's my flavor. 
these days. Chaos Undecided, that's me. <laughs> well, Chaos Undecided could always consider changing its ways. You know what I mean? So, like, it kind of fits hand in hand. Yeah, yeah, I think yeah. it's Zinch, really. <laughs> <laughs> Chaos Undeclared, you know? Chaos Undeclared, <laughs> yes. <laughs> I work at a university. Uh, <laughs> oh, man. That was but, a great question, Tim. I love that. Uh, so, mm. uh, listen, I love Zinch. That, that, yeah, that mm. couldn't have gone better for me. But uh, <laughs> <laughs> so, in, in in general, so you know, we've discussed this a little bit. Like, I'm absolutely brand new to the hobby space. Uh, I've been intimidated by it for years. I've always just kind of uh, uh, commissioned paint jobs mm-hmm. for any game that I'm playing because I'm like, I I can't do it. It's it's too much. There's way too much to learn. Um, in 2024, uh, and once again, just as as a heads up and as a as a uh, a shout out um the duncan Rhodes painting academy uh, mm. probably one of the greatest places to start uh mm. you can find that at duncanroads.com but highly suggest it but thank you in 2024 how does somebody get started into the hobbying space is are things like speed paints and contrast paints um something to start with or does that kind of lead to bad habits like where does someone actually begin now um so i think i should touch on that first before i go more into the question so the the speed paint contrast paint stuff is not bad habits at all and it certainly can have a reputation for that um the difficult thing about painting with just those is that they require a certain degree of motor control which is um the key thing i think in learning painting miniatures um it's understanding how much paint you're supposed to be putting on the model and what your brush should be like and how you should hold your brush and your model these things are really core fundamental skills um so whether you're using regular acrylics or whether you're using contrast paints, this holds true. Um, it's just different, you know, different things will appeal to different people. So there is no particular wrong way. Um, what you should do when you're starting out is pursue the things that you really like. Um, so you should choose your army based upon how cool you think the models are, because you're going to be spending a lot of time with them. And so you've got you to like them. Um, you've got to rest assured that everything is nothing like the concept of balance and all this sort of stuff is it's a lie right it's impossible to make everything perfectly balanced um but you can um rest assured that they do their best to make every unit have its own um abilities so you shouldn't get tied up on the fact of oh well my dwarf thunderers aren't very good because everyone's saying they're not very good um for a long time, right, in 8th edition, Bretonians were considered to be rubbish, especially questing knights. So I'd always rock up with my questing knights, and they were awesome, partially because no one ever saw them, and they didn't know how to react to them. Right? And you can use that to your advantage. So, yeah, so pursue what you think looks cool, and what, what lore grabs you, um, because it will bind you in. Um, don't stress about being an amazing painter. Don't get intimidated by what you see online of people posting all these incredible models. Um, you can and you will learn if you just want to put a bit of the effort into it and you can go places that will amaze you. Um, the painting process is a lot easier than you might think. As I say, it comes down to those motor control skills. Once you learn them, you can apply them to all kinds of things. Um, now, our our offer, I should say, like our YouTube channel, our website, is all committed entirely to um, just showing you what to do as clearly and concisely as possible. And you'll see in every video we do, I'm always talking about making sure you thin your paint correctly, making sure you don't overload your brush, making sure you hold the model correctly, all this sort of stuff. So that's one thing. All the colors can sit on top of that quite easily. But that's where I'd recommend someone begin. If you if you want to play the old world and you have, you've seen the images of the vampire counts and you'd really like to do vampire counts, but then you find out they're a legacy army, they're not a mainstream army, don't let that stop you. Buy some Correct. cool skeletons and a vampire and just have fun. 
I, absolutely know that time absolutely yeah, that, that strikes close to home because i love the way the vampire counts uh stuff looks mm. like all of the undead stuff in aos looks phenomenal yeah it really does yeah. Kings now in all the world and i'm like yo these can actually like hang out yeah. together all yeah, right yeah, let's yeah. go all right so i think right i'm going to throw out I, I should say to be clear especially i was talking about bretonian stuff earlier right um I don't have contacts in the studio, so I don't know stuff. So people sometimes think I do, right? I just speculate and I'm like, you know, try and guesstimate things based upon how I knew things were. But it was four years since I left, so things change. Um, I think the rules developers really, really want to put all the factions into the game because if they didn't, they wouldn't have put as much effort as they have clearly done into those PDFs, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. I yeah. think, yeah, I think those armies aren't in it because they're in Age of Sigmar. And I think if you see large redesigns of rangers, you'll then see them appear in the old world. Um, so I think you have okay. to, as a consumer, prove that you want that stuff, right? So if you want to put Skaven in the old world, you do it. Just do it. Don't worry about legacy stuff or anything like that because you don't know. One day they might actually suddenly be in it. Uh, I was chatting to a guy online the other day. He wanted to do Dark Elves, and he was asking, are they viable, you know, because they're a legacy army list. And it's like, dude, do you like your Dark Elves? Get your Cold One Knights. Do it. Have fun. You know, follow and where your heart takes you. That's yeah. the thing. Whether, whether they're viable or not, just play the thing that you enjoy because then yeah. you're going to, like you said, enjoy painting them. Yeah. But at the same time, like reading through any of those PDFs, they're real good. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> they've put a lot are... of work into those, haven't they? So you we can just see they've really about... tried. Yes, absolutely. We just talked about ogres recently. That whole army list is fantastic. Oh, <laughs> my gosh. Yeah. It's mm-hmm. Fantastic. Mm-hmm. Um, yetis are actually playable now which you know just they weren't worth the money for the for the mm-hmm. miniature for a while mm-hmm. and now they're just they're real good <laughs> yeah yeah <laughs> it yeah, makes yeah. me want to buy ogres again <laughs> yeah man have fun remember like fantasy was going off a cliff because no one was buying it back in eighth edition what happened you know? don't make that happen again <laughs> yeah yeah not not like demanding it or anything like that but just um you know f- yeah follow your heart with it enjoy yourself right Right. And that's kind of the, the essence that I've always taken through Warhammer Fantasy. And I'm mm. just going to keep doing it in Old World. It's just follow what you love. Follow your heart. Yeah, you know, man. Yeah, man. Well, I, I think the only thing that I'm upset about through this interview is that we don't live closer. Uh, so- <laughs> yeah, yeah, you'd be welcome to hop on down our office. And yeah, when I get <laughs> the next uh, next campaign going, we called out our territory Skaldonia because there's like done. giant skulls in the ground yeah because <laughs> it's warhammer right <laughs> then the, oh, the second year i did it like a northern part which sits on top of the map and i did it all snowy so that was skullheim um we were going to do like a, on an eastern side make it like lustria like jungles and then a southern one was going to be the desert that was the idea of having four and then do like a big mega campaign never happened of course um but there's still time I, I, I tried to do the blood in the badlands thing and we, we did mm. it for maybe like a month, month and a half. And then just everybody's mm. schedule with kids and all that sort of stuff. So it's like, yeah, it's hard it's, work keeping a campaign going. Yeah. Map based campaigns though, are where it's at. Let me tell you. <laughs> yeah. If you get into a good one, there's no other wargaming experience like it. It's so much fun. Oh, we were having all kinds of narratives and things. And there was like a running gag. So one of the guys, he built the first castle on the map and it was the only one. One of the random results at the start of a turn on the, like, the, the political thing of like, oh, what's going on in the world is that you can steal a castle. Like, you know, you take it over and they're not looking. So it's the only castle. So it would get taken over. And it was right outside his capital. And he hated the fact that it was. So he was laying siege to it immediately. And then someone else would take it from the person who had it. And this just happened for about six months. 
of people <laughs> taking over his castle. It was driving him crazy. And as we kept playing games, we'd represent this castle getting more and more ruined. And in the end, it was just like one tower, you know, <laughs> ruins everywhere. As like four armies are all fighting over it, and he's just like, "Get out of my turf!" <laughs> it's just always a watchtower scenario with every. Yeah, that there's was, something that about was, going into your local yeah. game store too and seeing the map from the uh, yeah. yeah. or something like there yeah. for everyone else to like uh, participate into. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's, it's, it's dope. See, so now I got to go dig up my old Triumph and Treachery book as well. It's just, you know, so when we <gasps> do go. Treachery. Oh, so, yes. so political intrigue, Tim, in Warhammer. Yeah. Yeah, yeah I'm super down. Super down. <laughs> yeah. I, I yeah, changed yeah. my ways for that. That's for sure. You, in Triumph and Treachery, you score victory points during the game and you get them in coins, like money coins, and you can pay them to make opponents mercenaries like do stuff. Like you can pay them off not to charge you and things, or you yeah. can just use them to bribe your opponent. Like, you know, if you don't do that, I'll give you these victory points. Oh, okay. <laughs> it's incredible. And, then, and then if you do well, like yeah, a free yeah, super player game. Let's go. You, can, <laughs> you could like, right, so I want to charge that unit. I'm going to pay you some money to charge with me and support me. Okay, okay. And then they don't do it. And then they charge you instead. <laughs> <laughs> it's so fun. It's proper party game. <laughs> oh, it's so good. It's like Werewolf, but, you know. Yeah. It's like uh, playing miniatures. Smash Brothers, you know. <laughs> yeah, there you go. Yeah. All right, now who's your main? <laughs> yes. Because yeah. I'm a Kirby so main. You're a Kirby. Oh, I've not played it for a long time, but I was Link. Yeah. Link. Uh, Tim's not yeah. allowed to play Lucas, but his <sighs> is probably Lucas. Baby boy Lucas. <laughs> He's been do Smash, Did they do a Smash Brothers with um, uh, Snake in? Yes. Metal Gear. Two of them now. Two. Yeah, two. Now. Oh. <laughs> I've heard some audio about it. him talking about Pikachu, and I was like, that's weird. <laughs> <laughs> this is a conversation I did not expect to come up. I know, right? In the green room before we start this, everybody, we're talking about friends. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I knew I'd get that in somehow. Uh, oh, <laughs> oh my gosh. Uh, real talk, though, I think we've met you in person uh, at the last two LVOs. I think mm. I ran into you, like, I walked by you while you were wandering around at Gen Con this past year. But uh, um, yeah. If you, I, I hope it was you. Otherwise, I was like, oh, I think it's oh, okay. I, but, I didn't go to Gen Con, but it might have been at another one. Uh-oh. I did go to Gamma. Uh, okay. okay. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but but yeah, so, sorry. like, what, what, uh, what conventions in the states are like? Kind of your your top picks? Like, are you are you an Adepticon guy? Is it LVO? Is it Frontline stuff? Like, what's the mix? Um, we really like Frontline because the people who run it are lovely. Um, Kicker who Kicker, runs LVO. Kicker, yeah. He is. Yeah. I don't amazing. know how he does it. The energy that guy's got is just unreal. Like at the start of day three at LVO, which is when everyone's hitting the wall and is exhausted. He's like, "Yeah, I went for a six mile run this morning." Correct. Yeah, yeah every day. Yeah, Dude, just six boxes of cereal. Uh, yeah, a, a box of uh, cocoa pebbles and just sends it. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Right, the guy's crazy, but he's so nice, so mm-hmm. lovely, yeah. and so yeah, we really love LVO for that. Um, uh, I've, I've not been to Adepticon for a while, but Adepticon's got a, uh, all these shows of different atmosphere. Adepticon's just such a nice, chilled environment. Oh, yeah. And because that thing Absolutely. goes on 24 hours a day, there's always something. Right. Um, so, yeah, if you just want a nice, relaxing sort of wargaming holiday, I'd recommend Adepticon. Um, LVO is by its nature quite a competitive event, um, but they are opening up into other other events mm-hmm. in it so there yeah. are like narrative ones then i saw a narrative horus heresy one going on where in between the rounds they were all discussing what was happening in the story and assigning players you know objectives for their side and i thought that's really cool that'd be a really cool thing to play in you know to be like the player who's got the um the raven guard strike force and yeah, right? so the 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 people who are in charge of your side are deploying you for certain objectives that suit your character i think that'd be so much fun 
wouldn't it? So, so next <laughs> year, the two thin coats, uh, map based old world campaign uh, <laughs> <laughs> taking place at LVO, yeah, right? Uh, oh, well, well, <laughs> we'll see. Uh, yeah, I, 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 I'm not sure at this point if we're going to be going next year, we'll see. Um, but it's it. You know, if we're going to these things, we'll announce them on social media. In the UK, okay. we are going to some things this year. We're going to be at the um, at Salute, which is the big gaming show in the UK, and we're going to be at the UK Games Expo as well, which is in June. Very awesome. Mm-hmm. I'm writing these down for the show notes. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> well, this has just been an absolutely incredible experience. Did you, did you have any yeah, questions? Anything? Any funny noises? Anything you needed to to get out? There, there you go. I, 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 <laughs> That's oh spot, good boy. That's that's my dog spot. He, I think he he might be wanting to go out for a wee. Is that right? Yeah, he's holding his ears up at me. Come here, come here, come here. Let's see if we can get you to. Do you want to see? Yeah, bear with me. Sorry for you folks yes, listening please. to this. Right? Okay, spot. Spot. Oh, that was amazing. Come on, come on. Oh, he's being grumpy. What's the matter, mate? What's the matter? Oh yeah, I think he wants to go outside for a wee. He's lovely. He's like a, a he's a mix of all sorts of dog breeds. He's mostly a collie, and he's so friendly, aren't you? Yes, well, and you he are. has the perfect comedian comedic timing yeah. as well. That was yes. the perfect. Was no one believed that was real. <laughs> <laughs> I assure you, everybody, that oh. was not a sound file. Come on. <laughs> Come on, jump up. Do you want to? No, but he's going to look at me. I'm not allowed to, Dad. <laughs> oh, oh, you're allowed to do whatever you want. We all know that you're in charge, really. Uh, yeah, yeah, for real. <laughs> <laughs> Having two cats and a dog myself, yeah, I don't run. We don't run this house. No, no, it's the pets are in charge, <laughs> right? But I, Duncan, I cannot thank you enough for for being on the show. I cannot thank you for the, enough for the conversation. This this has been an absolute blast. Thank you for being here, man. Hey, thanks well, for having uh, me, and thank you to all the folks listening who allow my ridiculous job to exist. Um, <laughs> well, for real, just demystifying how difficult it is to get into painting is just such a a, a well needed uh, outlet. Like, oh, so thank you. I, I personally really appreciate it. Yeah. Thank you. We do our best. And 15 year ago, Taylor also really appreciates it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, boy, has it been that long? <laughs> At least. <laughs> I'm getting old, man. Oh, man. Well, thank you again. Uh, I, I Hopefully, we'll. Jeez, I just. All I want is to get a game in with you now at some point. Like, that's. Wow. Well, that's my if, goal uh, in life. <laughs> if we're going to a show together, I'll uh, I'll bring some of my, my glorious nights over and we'll do it. Heck yeah, I'll you can charge, charge down some long straight at you when you say, "Yeah, I've got uh, I've got grape shot on this cannon." I'll be like, "Yeah, I've got the blessing of the lady." It's gonna roll sixes. It's gonna Bring roll it. sixes. <laughs> the lady, though. But have you heard about the lady? <laughs> yeah, she's awesome, man. Yeah, give you a ward save, even to the peasants now. Good grief, that was quite a change. <laughs> peasants are people too now. <laughs> They're people now. They're people. Uh, anyways, thank you again for being here. Thanks, everybody, for listening. Uh, check out ProfessionalCasual.com for everything else that we do. And also, DuncanRoads.com, folks. It should be in the uh, the show notes, as well as the Kickstarter. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to definitely remember to throw that in there as well. Um, thank but you. Duncan, Tim, thank you both for being here. And uh, yeah, till the next one, guys. It's been a pleasure. Bye, everybody. Thanks so much for listening. 
If you enjoyed this show, check out all the other great shows here at the Professional Casual Network. Like what, Danny? I'll tell you. On Mondays, we've got the Lost Omens podcast, our Pathfinder 2E actual play, hosted by me, playing through the Extinction Curse AP. Also, streaming on twitch.tv slash professional casual network at 7 p.m. Eastern time, you can check out, oh yeah, the power phase, our Marvel Crisis Protocol live battle report show. On Tuesdays, the podcast version of, wait, did I roll a wild? Our Marvel Crisis Protocol povlog is available. On Wednesdays, alternating releases on the Patreon, we have Settling the Southlands, our homebrew Wolforp actual play, and The Slithering, a Pathfinder 2nd edition actual play. And on Thursdays, live at 7 p.m. Eastern Standard Time on twitch.tv slash professional casual network, we've got, wait, did I roll a wild, our Marvel Crisis Protocol povlog. You can also check out back episodes of Elite Eight Showdown and the first 39 episodes of the Lost Omens podcast, the first 24 episodes of Settling the Southlands, and the first handful of episodes of The Slithering on the YouTube at youtube.com slash the professional casual.